Hello, everyone. Happy fall and Halloween. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring Indian small press authors with host Emma Pulova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavan, The Low Ledger, and author Catherine Dan Howder. Today, I will be chatting with Dan Howder, who will announce the details of her book giveaway of Prison Shadows at the end of the interview. Dan Howder has been actively writing since retiring from her work as a psychologist in 2014, and she's the author of five or six books. Uh, well, I'm working on my sixth one right now, so it's five books. All yeah, right. Done. She has published. won several awards for her last novel, Cobalt Chronicles. Congratulations, Catherine. How are you this lovely evening? Well, I'm doing fine. For in October, it wasn't bad. We had some warm weather and beautiful fall colors. So I know. I'm all happy about that. Yeah, me too. All right. Let's talk about your book, Prison Shadows. I would like to start out with your own quote because I like it. I do believe that good novels are disturbing. What do you base that belief on? Why do you think that good novels should be disturbing? Well... You know, I have, I have studied a lot of literature in my day and read a lot of books. And the ones that stick in my mind are the ones that made me think, mm -hmm. that unsettled me a bit. Yeah. Uh, so that I looked at, I took a different paradigm, you know, mm -hmm. when I thought about things and uh, life in general. And I really think good literature does that. It, it's a healing process because you start thinking and you look at your own life and, and are healing in, in a curative way to find out how you can better live as a person you want to be and also to help those around you. Absolutely. And can you give us a brief synopsis of your psychological thriller? Present Shadows just came out in July of this year. Uh -huh. And the inspiration came from many different areas. One, I, as a psychologist, I had inmates in my practice and they would share stories about very horrific things that would happen in prison. Mm -hmm. Also, my first husband, Leonard Den Houter, was uh, a lawyer who adjudicated prison infractions in the prison system. And he would come home with stories about different prisoners. And the, what I wanted to convey in this book so much is that prisoners are human beings that it's their backstory, the combination of things that have happened to them that has created some criminal behavior. And if we can understand that, and if they can understand that, it's very helpful. Uh, so this book is about a man who was selling drugs, small town drug dealer uh, in the uh, actually Mason area of Michigan, uh, who was caught and he had just started you know, trafficking drugs and he was caught and he ended up in a very horrific, a harsh prison up in the UP. And this is a tale about his life, what he ran into when he went uh, to prison there and the uh, cr uh, corrupt guards in the prison, because he was passive, uh, he became the target of their, their plans. Mm -hmm. uh, and pardon? They became the target of their of their plans to murder the cook. And uh, and I won't tell you why, because I don't want to be a spoiler. But somehow the cook got involved um, in the plot and uh, in a, a very horrific outcome. And he was blamed for this. Another 
thread that goes through this book is his daughter, Charm, was a lovely child. And because he went to prison, he was unable to continue the care of her. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this so many times where the people who suffer uh, right along with the prisoner are the ones, their family members who have lost their father or mother and have lost that influence of, of guidance and support and comfort. So that's another strain that goes through this book as well. So how did you make Clifford Rat a relatable character? Because you yourself said, I wanted to create human beings rather than lawbreakers. And I love that quote too. Yes. So how did you manage to do that? Because that's really difficult with a criminal, right? Right. And, and, and Clifford Rats was the uh, passive personality style. Uh, very bright. Uh, he reacted and rebelled against a very uh, strict religious background in a way that was uh, in uh, at odds with the law. And uh, what he did is he, through the prison experience, began to understand why he did that and changed his, his relationship with his father uh, through mm -hmm. the years in prison and also the experiences after he uh, was uh, uh, left prison. Um, and um, he is it relatable because he has feelings, because he, you hear him think through the process, you hear his determination to get out of prison, you hear all of his struggles. And also he befriends several criminals in the, the, system, the system and that humanizes him as well. You know, you realize he's a kind man, he wants the best for them, even the ones that have threatened his life. And then even the cover, uh, he's a good-looking man, yes, I must yeah. say. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. a great. Comment. And I chose that that face because it is a very real face, warts mm -hmm. and all, but very compassionate and someone who was mm -hmm. bent down on his luck and uh, not someone who was had a criminal mind, evil of being evil, mm -hmm. but someone who was, you know, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, and then one of your reviewers says, Dr. Catherine Dan Howder's experience as a professional psychologist takes readers places we hope to never go except in books. So where do you take us? I mean, you take us throughout these different locations. You mentioned that you had to travel a lot, right? So you got a feeling for the setting and that was the Marquette State Prison. Right. So yeah, I did a lot of research. I reported over prison records, uh, went up to Marquette to get a view, uh, a tour of the administrative area of the prison. I couldn't go into the cells. Right. But then I took a course, Citizens uh, Academy, Police Academy in Kent County, and was able to tour the uh, jail, Kent County Jail, and learned a lot from that. Also practiced, uh, you know, dealing with firearms and tasers and learning about the decision process that the uh, policemen go through when they uh, uh, charge criminals or when they uh, arrest criminals. So it was a very informative journey on my part to uh, actually go deep into the research of that. So how has your psychology career helped your writing career? I mean, I feel that must be a perfect match because you understand the motivations of your characters? 
Yeah, I do. Uh, and I have given so much, so many psychological tests that I have a pretty good sense about what makes people tick. And uh, all, all of us have a dark side. Um, and some of us manage it and some of us don't. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's very important to recognize that we're all human beings, that we just happen to be have managed those difficult issues enough that we can be socialized in society. So yes, I my years working with inmates, people who are troubled, people who are stressed and tense or anxious and depressed, I was able to really understand why people did what they did. And, you know, uh, especially when they were faced with hard times. And then also your book answers the broader question, what do we need from each other so we can go on living? That's a very important question that I think everybody should ask themselves that question. So what is it that we need from each other? Well, the ultimate thing is, is loving each other and really caring for each other, no matter who we are, what walk of life we're at, or a point in our life we're at, that we need people to care and to listen and to understand and to be fair. And uh, particularly at the end, he was able to love beyond betrayal. And that says that he was a very good person. His heart was in the right place. So I don't want you to give away the book, but in a sense, could you give us a clue at least? Was he rehabilitated? I mean, did he better himself? He, he had the opportunities and he did. He learned a lot about himself and he was on the straight and narrow. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that it always is gonna end up smoothly. There are gonna be times when fate happens, there's a reversal of fortune and that's what happens in this situation. But it was redemptive in the sense that okay. he, was, he gave his life for somebody else. And can you tell us a little bit about the supporting character, the woman? The uh, charm is his daughter. And okay. part of his anger um, and his need to traffic drugs came from a financial need after a very difficult divorce. And charm was a, the, the light of his life. She was a darling person, uh, mm -hmm. very brusque. She was short. Uh, she had a, he describes her voice as being a voice like a Tallulah Bankhead. So very kind of low and you just didn't expect that to come out of a little person. Mm -hmm. She's very persuasive, but also very much in rebellion, particularly when her father was in prison. He, she mm -hmm. didn't express it clearly, but she was angry at him for being separated from her. And a lot of her actions were negative and self-destructive because of that. And when I talked about that theme of, you know, the family members are the ones that suffer and we yes. don't want them to suffer. We want them to uh, have a complete life. And uh, so she struggled because of his imprisonment. What were some of the challenges in writing this book? There must have been many. I can imagine as an author, a reporter, journalist, a woman, wife, there must have been a lot of challenges in writing. Tell us about them. Well, I think the most uh, difficult part was the writing of the police procedures. Mm 
Okay. As a psychologist, you don't get into that. Your job is to listen and to have compassion and right. to, to be helpful. Mm -hmm. They have a different job. They have to make sure our society is, is habitable and works well by enforcing laws. So they have a whole different agenda. And so it was very important for me to live their life, to understand that that corrective part is sometimes needed very much in society. And so I did that walk. I walked through the, the prison life and also the life of a, a policeman to uh, understand how they apprehend criminals, what procedures they use and why, and uh, uh, all those which are also a very important part for our society. Okay. How long did it take you to write this book? It was a three-year process. A three-year process. Was it that long, mainly because of the research? or Right. Yeah, I, I must tell you that um, I sent it to my publisher, who I have a great deal of respect for. And uh, I said, give me your first reaction. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was about it, uh, two years into the writing. Okay. And said, I am so confused because never do you, you never put the word fuck in the prison system. When people, the prisoners are talking, you never use that. Oh, you didn't I said, use you know, that. I hate that word. He said, but they use that word. Every other word is that. So you got to get real with this. So I took that, the prison part and I completely revamped it. And that took me a year. And the Kirkus Review said to me, they said I handled the uh, uh, the swear words and the profanity very well. I read that. Yeah. So, that must have been difficult, right? The language. Yes. And yeah, just to change it and to realize that sometimes that is what's real. And this is a slice of life. So I have to be as realistic as possible. What sets you apart from other authors in your genre? I think my research and I think my psychology background. Yes. So I, my, my characters have really several layers. They're, they're pretty complicated uh, because I understand that process. Um, and uh, I think the research, I'm willing to spend a lot of time reading, uh, you know, visiting, uh, taking tours, trying to understand what my subjects are going through. What are the major takeaways from Prison Channels? that the hardest thing, love is hard. And mm -hmm. I think the hardest love is to love beyond betrayal. And when someone does that, that is pretty, you know, that's pretty amazing. That's very self-sacrificial. And Christ did that, you know, he's, he, lo he loved us in, in, in spite of our betrayal of him. And so my background is very strongly Christian and that comes through in, in how I play out the ending. What have you learned about yourself from writing this book? You must have learned a lot about yourself as well, right? As a psychologist, this must have been quite an experience for you. I, I think it, it, it really, um, I thought about how the interactions uh, between people are very mm -hmm. complicated. Yes. And um, when I spin a, a tale mm -hmm. and... It 
many characters and people I've known over the years, I just kind of weave them in there. And it's an exciting but scary process. Mm -hmm. You're delighted because it does sound good when you're done. Um, But at the same time, it it takes a long time to really sort it out well. So flesh it out just right so that it, it has, it's meaningful to the reader. Were there things in the plot or along the way that surprised you? There must have been a lot of surprises. Yeah, particularly at the the end, there was, you know, when I, uh, when he got out of prison and he went back to home to be as if he loses his mother and he goes back to live with his father for just a temporary time. And he discovers that he has a hidden cache in his bedroom underneath the floorboards of marijuana Mm -hmm. uh, that he had. And that just kind of came out of out of my imagination. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and that was his mirror moment. It was once that happened, he discovered it and mm-hmm. was very tempted to see it was the weed was probably 15 years old. And okay. he said, I wonder if it, it gets better with age. And he decided at that time, no, I will never smoke ever again. And he took him in a, in a bag and he brought it out to the garbage. Um, so it was his mirror moment. Every, everything changed after that. You know, he was definitely reformed. What do you feel you did right in writing this novel? That you hit it right on the nail, that you did perfectly well, that no one else could have done it like that? You know, I think um, how I integrated the, the family, the Atwood family, All right. um, in his life. And um, how that played out. Oh. And also, and I'm not going to give away the plot. No. The trail cam, that trail cam uh, idea was brilliant. You know, and that's uh, one of the last chapters. Yeah. So that, that kind of unraveled everything. Okay, don't give it away. I won't give it away. What would you have done differently? Well... I wouldn't have taken three years. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it was a long time, long, long time. You would have you know, so many writers, um, when they had a book finished, they sold so many books right during COVID. And oh, I was yeah. just in the process of, you know, sorting it out and trying to organize, you know, my work, uh, Prison Shadows. So I didn't get a chance to, get, to uh, experience a positive part of the COVID time because a lot of people were reading new books so what is the funniest or the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event something that you will never ever forget whether nice good bad so this is an event that i have had as an author oh i i wrote a book uh, uh, called resilience Okay. And I had a young lady do a review of it that was made me cry. Oh, it was so well written uh-huh. and she it transformed her life. And that was a wonderful, you know, as a as a psychologist, I want to heal people. Mm-hmm. I want people to see life in a different way and mm-hmm. to grow from it. And she really did. And that was a happy experience for me. 
what is next for Catherine in 2022? We're still in it, right? Yes, we are. Just, a, you know, almost not, but we're, we're still in it. Uh, I am writing a sequel to Abigail's Exchange. Abigail was my first, Abigail's Exchange was my first debut novel. And it was a good one. Um, and I'm going to, uh, people have asked me to write a three book series. So I'm, I'm in the, uh, right now I'm writing the second book. And it's called Abigail's Heartache. Oh, um, all right, Catherine, would you like to read to us? Yes, I'd be glad to read to you. And the section that I'm going to read is um, comes kind of in the middle of the book. And he befriends this, this very uh, fierce prisoner by the name of Simon. Mm -hmm. And Simon uh, comes from Detroit. He's a murderer. <clears throat> and uh, what he, I'm going to take some water here. Hold on. Oh, sure. <clears throat> and what Simon does is he uh, takes, he targets Clifford, but then it turns around that <clears throat> they ride in the, the uh, van together and uh, he witnesses Simon's uh, a seizure and he becomes very close to him. I got to take some more water. Hold on. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> oh, this. <clears throat> Very good. <clears throat> it was almost November, and the snow buried the North Country. Glare ice coated the sidewalks, and the chapel was freezing cold. <clears throat> Nobody was there except Clifford and his guard. <clears throat> Am I early? Where's Simon? He took his usual seat in front of the wooden statue of the Virgin Mary and waited, closing his eyes. <clears throat> Dear Jesus, you've heard my prayer. I'm eternally grateful. Help me be patient and find the resolve to take the next steps in my life. Trusting you is how I survived and my only, only hope for a better future. Someone turned on the heat and warmth emanated from the four corners of the chapel. The priest welcomed Simon and Clifford, the only two present, and read the scriptures from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Gentlemen, said the priest, I would like to end my homily with a poem written by Theodore Shackelford. He speaks to us even today. Oh, hope into my darkened life, thou hast oft descended my helpless head from failure's blows. Thou hast defended when circumstances hard and mean, which I could not control, did make me bow my head with shame. Thou comforted my soul. When stumbling blocks lay all around and when my steps did falter, then did they thy sacred fires burn upon my soul's high altar. Oft was my very blackest night, scarce darker than my day. But thou dispelled those clouds of doubt and cheered my lonely way. Even when I saw my friends forsake and leave me for another, then thou, O oh hope, didst cling to me still closer than a brother. Thus with thee near I groped my way through that long gloomy night. Till now, yes, as I speak, behold, I see the light, the light. Simon and Clifford sat motionless, captivated by the words, Clifford, 
Simon said haltingly. You spring out the best in me. I hope you get out of this place and have a good life. I think it will happen. Simon, you're a good friend. Clifford said as he turned to look at his buddy. Promise me you'll never lose hope. Humbled by Clifford's kindness, Simon answered, I promise. So it's at that point that Simon and Clifford come to an understanding that mm -hmm. what keeps them going in prison day after day is the hope that they'll get out. And, and uh, Clifford is on the way out. He has yeah. found a lawyer that has been very helpful. But Simon, he's had so many strikes against him. But if he can still hang on to that hope, things can happen for him where he can keep going. And toward the end of the book, we discovered that Simon was asked by the priest. He has a beautiful voice, which was discovered in the uh, Mm -hmm. uh, during one of the uh, chapel visits, the priest asked him to sing solos in the chapel. Oh. And um, when he told Clifford that, Clifford was very pleased. So that's kind of the two of them, Clifford and Simon. Nice. Thank you. Would you like to announce the details of your book giveaway of Prism Shadows? Yes, if there are two people that are listening, the first two people that email me with their address, um, I will give you, I'll send you a free book, of uh, autographed book of Prison Shadows. And my email address is katherinedenhowder at gmail.com. And I will spell that for you out loud, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-D-E-N-H-O-U. T-E-R at gmail.com. Send off there an email to me with your name and address. And I'll, the first two that, that come through, I will send you a, a free book. And you will even include a customized, personalized quote. I love your quote. Yes, I would, I would be glad to. Yes. Perfect. Yes, all right, parting shots from each one of us. Catherine, you first. You are my guest. What do you? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, are, is there somebody on the other end of the line, or is are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah, just okay. Yeah, so I'd like to. I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear people's impress. You know, uh, impressions of the book. If they've had experiences with prisoners or if they you know, work for the justice system in any way. Okay, good, good. And my parting shots are buy indie, read indie, and write indie. And why not explore small presses like Modern History Press to tell your story? Read your local newspaper for inspiration and support your local authors. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I love that.